What up, world? Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. One game into the postseason, and your Portland Trail Blazers are undefeated. A 123-109 win over the Denver Nuggets in Game 1 of their first round series. The Blazers take Game 1 on the road. That is what we are going to talk about here, as you might have guessed. What a game it was for the Trail Blazers. I want to talk about the good. I want to talk about the bad. I want to talk about the possible adjustments on both sides heading into Game 2. But let's start with the good, because the Blazers played really well. I think, I think that is that is that's the big one here. Uh, a 14-point win that was probably closer than that for most of the game. So what went right for the Blazers? Well, the first thing that went right is the game plan. The Blazers had a very specific, you know, you give them a week off like football to to plan, and they came in with a like the coaching staff developed a really nice uh, plan for how to attack Denver, and the players executed it really really well. Uh, you can you can plan all you want, but the the I've said it a million times, say it again here. Players play, and I thought uh, particularly Yusuf Nurkic allowed this game plan to be so freaking effective. Nurk was fantastic. Like just box score, he was fantastic. You look you look at his numbers, he shot 7 of 10, finished with 16 points, 12 boards, 5 assists. Uh you know, he didn't get into foul trouble. He was able to play like real playoff minutes. 33 minutes is a ton of minutes for Nurk and it's what they're going to need for him moving forward. Um he never had sort of like he had, you know, he had a couple weird plays where he flipped the ball up around the rim, but he had big dunks. He finished he finished uh, through two separate and ones, and and all of that he guarded Nikola Jokic as well as you can ask him to do, and and that's that's really where the game plan is. The Blazers did did not double Nikola Jokic. I talked about it leading up to the previous is that you can't, you can't. He's too smart. He's too much of a savant, and particularly with the. The, the lack of other firepower and limited shot creation that the Nuggets have, the Blazers just said, cool, I bet Jokic can't beat us on his own. And while he was really good because he's going to win MVP, you know, 34 and 16, uh, shot over 50% from the floor, made his three-pointers, he didn't, the Blazers stayed home on him. They didn't double team. They didn't send like super aggressive help uh, on his drives. They didn't dig in and help and try to keep him out of the paint. They just said Nurk's going to guard him one on one. Ennis is going to guard him one on one. And come what may, we're going to stay home everywhere else. Deny cutters. Uh, the Blazers did a really good job. If you rewatch that game, as I did very late at night on Saturday evening, um, you you can just see them. They're very attentive to when the Nuggets kind of sprint back door to just putting a hand up, making it clear, being big on cutters. Um, uh, some of the, like, you know, Jokic finished with one assist, and that's what everyone's going to point to, one assist. This is like this big number. And I think that's huge, right? Like, he averages almost nine a game, eight and some change. Uh, during the regular season, he's, a like I said, a savant passer. But the some of the assist making is because the guys miss shots. But more than, like, the numbers suggest, you could just watch it. Like, the Blazers were going to, were just, their game plan was super simple. Let Jokic eat deny cutters, stay home, and they think that even, you know, he can score 40 and they're going to be okay because the Nuggets' other guys can't get their own offense super easily and all that. The game plan was fantastic, and it starts with how good Nurk was. Nurk allowed them to be that. Like, he, he, he you know, stayed out of foul trouble, stayed smart, didn't, didn't pick up dumb fouls, didn't, um, you know, didn't reach and give up easy buckets. I thought Jokic got some easy points early. I mean, he's dude is a bucket, like he's going to score. Um, but, uh, Nurk was just really, really good. And the game plan 
that they had was predicated on him being really, really good, and he was, and that's why the Blazers won this game. The other reason they won this game is because the other guy was pretty good. Oh, letter O. I mean, they got a lot of help. You win, you, you win this game as a team, right? But Dame was, Dame was awesome. Uh, 34 and 13, uh, didn't shoot great from the floor early, but when it mattered, he really put the, put the team on his back though in in a game changing late third quarter run. And then, and then when he got back on the court in the fourth, he helped, he helped put the game away. Like Dame is so good. And, and what you obviously Dame is so good. Like this is, that's something we've celebrated in this space plenty of times, but that's not the point here. The point is that I don't know who Denver can send to guard Dame, and I think that's um, that's really the thing here. Uh, and this is this is the limitations for for sort of you know this is why people such as myself would pick the Blazers to win in this series because who can the Nuggets get enough offense and defense on the court at the same time considering their current limitations? Uh, Will Barton's return is going to be huge for him because he might might be able to provide both of those things. Uh, we'll see when he gets back. He didn't play in game one and no word yet on his availability in game two. But the the Nuggets put Faku Campazo on Dame as we've talked about all week when we were kind of previewing the matchups. That's who's going to guard him. Um, Faku goes hard. He goes hard as hell. He gets up in Dame's shirt. Um but and we'll talk about this a little bit more in the third segment. But Faku can't guard Dame. He just can't guard him. Uh, he's guys who you got to guard Dame with length. And getting up in Dame's shirt is um, an effective way to kind of make him annoyed. But it's not an effective way to slow him down. And Faku's lack of length uh, just really, really didn't didn't bother Dame. He just when it when they needed to score in the third quarter and fourth quarter after the Nuggets took a nine point lead early third and the Blazers kind of charged back to seize control of this game. Once they took the lead midway through the third quarter, they never gave it back and they closed the door in the final five minutes of the fourth. It was a really impressive performance led by Damian Lamont, Ollie Lillard Sr. But be, the Nuggets just, you know, they didn't have another option on him, and, and Falgu might be, to some extent, their best choice, and he just can't guard Dame. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He just, that's, um, as as competitive and as hard as Falgu plays and as good as he does, as, as, you know, he had these moments, he had a strip where he knocked the ball away from Dame in the post. It's like, just don't post up Dame. He can go after him. Uh, you know, put Falgu in the pick and roll, and Dame was able to mani- manipulate him straight up. Dame was able to get past him, and then you got to send help. Uh, the Nuggets did load up and send a, sent a ton of help, a ton, a ton, a ton of help. Um, if you watch pick and roll coverage, some of you ask like how to watch defense. Watch the Nuggets guys off the ball when the Blazers get into pick and rolls. They are coming early, like particularly on wing pick and rolls. The Nuggets are pulled all the way in and early. They are ready and loaded up against that action, and and they're sending several guys. But that first line of defense with Falcon, who was on and whoever was in the pick and roll dance, and the Blazers chose Michael Porter Jr. a lot down the stretch. That'll be an issue for Denver. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but Falco just can't guard Dame. He can't. It's just, um, it's just, it's just a fact. And I think we saw that in Game One. I think it, it was something we talked about leading into this series. Was like, I don't know. Like that's the that might be the best and only option, but it's not a good one. And I think we saw that in Game One. Um, you know, the Blazers. That's that's an absolute superstar wearing wearing the letter O for Portland, and he he played like one when they needed him to. But it wasn't just the stars. It wasn't just Yusuf Nurkic and, and Damian Lillard in game one. It was the other guys. And the Blazers really won because of the balance of the other guys. I mean, they won because of all these reasons. Like, it's not binary. They didn't win only because of this. Um, they they won because Nurk was so good in the game plan and he let them stick to their defensive game plan. They pulled away because their, you know, superstar player, their franchise player was 
impossible to guard late in the second half or midway through the second half. And they also won because old Carmelo Anthony heard those boos inside Ball Arena. The stadium formerly known as Pepsi Center, where Carmelo Anthony spent the first seven and a half years of his career before forcing a trade unceremoniously out of there and heading to New York City and starting the second chapter of his career, well, Denver fans hadn't forgotten, so when Melo touched the ball early, they gave him booze, and what did Carmelo do? He gave those fools buckets. Carmelo Anthony, 18 points on 6 of 12 shooting, an incredibly huge first half, uh, 15 points on, on and hit four threes, uh, four of six from three in the first half alone. Like he, he was getting his shots up. He was spacing. He was taking good threes and hitting good threes. I mean, six threes, is a bunch to take and a half, and, but he was knocking them down and they were booing him every time. And he's going three to the dome. And uh, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know, that 18 point mark is huge. The Blazers improved to 15 and five when Carmelo Anthony scores at least 18 points. The math there is simple. You know what Carmelo Anthony does? He scores. And when he scores well, the Blazers usually win. He doesn't do a lot else. Like he does. He was good in this game in a lot of different ways. He moved the ball. Well, he was smart. I thought he only had two shots in the second half where you're like, okay, you got to swing that norms wide open or okay. One more to, 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 uh, Anthony Simons. But for the most part, Mello was really good and like picked his spots in a judicious and important way. And, and he finished with 18 and, and that's the lucky number. His final three points came with about five minutes left. Blazers improved to 15 and 5 in the 20 games this year, including the regular season, obviously, in which Melo has scored 18. He's he he does what he does. The thing he does best, and it's always been what he does best, is score. And when he scores for this team, they win. And it's just an illustration of the differences between these two rosters. The the Nuggets don't have a sort of like Carmelo Anthony, who can we random randomly bring in to give us, you know, a 20-point boost off the bench. They just don't have that. And Melo's firepower, particularly early, was a huge, huge difference in this game. Uh, I called him the X Factor in this series on a couple different shows last week, and he proved why. Like he's he can shift a game with his offense. He's just, um, he. I mean, he's an all-time great scorer, and when he's doing that at a high level, he finished six of twelve from the floor. If he's going to shoot fifty percent from the floor, he made four of eight threes. Uh, you know, didn't didn't have as good a second half as he did in the first half, but. That's how basketball works. And but if he's going to have these these moments, these sort of explosive, you know, huge second quarter right, or, you know, late first second quarter when he checks in, he can shift a series. And that's what we saw. But he wasn't the only guy off the bench that was fantastic. You know, who got a podium game and in a normal setting would have literally gone up to the podium in a, in a true honor for uh, all playoff contributors is who gets called to the podium in big moments. None other than Anthony Simons. Anthony Simons probably played the best game of his of his career. I mean, I know that he had 37 when he played literally every single minute against the Kings, but he has not contributed on this stage at this level, um, quite frankly, ever. Like, and I don't mean that as a slight. Like, this is he got to step in and be a big time contributor, and he was a big time contributor. Like, Ant was so so good because he gives them that extra little bit of spacing you know late third quarter he had a little baseline jumper off a off a one dribble move and then in the fourth quarter he hit two crucial threes uh he finished the game you know what he had those great moments like late third early fourth but but like for the game just look at his stat line five of six shooting four or five from three he grabbed four boards had two assists and finished with 14 points like that is as good as you can expect him to play and he he his offense is just a layer that 
if he's going to play at that level, and man, does it look good when it goes in. He's got a, a funky kind of release, but a beautiful looking jumper. And and if he's going to play at that level, like this takes the Blazers to another, uh, just a, it just ups their game to another spot. Like, I don't know how you deal with all that space. Uh, it makes the second unit so much more dangerous. Um, you know, you space out when, when you keep Dame on the court at the end of the first quarter and you, and you space out with, uh, you know, a pick and roll with Cantor where Mello's at the wing and then Anthony Simons and Norman Powell in the corners. Like that's, that is like still a ton of firepower. You haven't sacrificed as much firepower. Now that's not a great defensive group, but the Nuggets don't, they're not just, they're just not scary enough on offense to make, um, to make the Blazers play pay really for playing this group. And if Ant shoots like this, and he was crucial in this game, stepped into his shots with confidence, didn't take any bad ones, uh, you know, made the right play. They ran a little bit of offense through him just to get like CJ off the ball late and, and Dame off the ball a little bit in the third quarter. Um, they, it's, he, he just changes the dynamic as another shooter. You know, you the layers just keep piling up. They keep piling on top of each other. It's kind of why I did this in this order. It's like Dame, that Dame Nurk pick and roll. Okay, that's super dangerous. Now, who who are you thinking about? Weak side, that's CJ. Okay, we're accounting for him. Okay, on the opposite though, there's uh, opposite wing. There's Mello. He's he's been really good. We got to stay home on him. And then, oh no, in the weak side corner, this is a forty plus. You know, almost forty four percent three point shooter in the corner. This is one of the you know elite outside shooters in the game who's who's ready and understands what his role is as a catch and shoot or or, or like you know sort of either keep the ball moving or get up a, a clean look. Like the Blazers, two, three of of Simon's four threes just came off the Blazers making one extra pass because the the Nuggets play an aggressive defense and they kind of. Uh, they want to fly around and you got to keep the ball ahead of that rotation. And they found Ant ahead of that rotation and he swished a three. Like he's just, it's all of those things. You know, the, the, the Blazers offense is really like the Blazers are going to win games by scoring 120 plus and playing smart defense. And that's what game one was. The game plan was really smart. The, their superstar guard was, uh, was a handful. Nurk was awesome. Mello and Ant were really, really good off the bench. And the ball moved so damn much. Like, this is the thing that stands out to you when you're watching this game. Or if you're like me, and it's like 1 a.m. on Saturday night and you're re-watching this game, the ball movement. Like, the, the ball movement is just... Um, it just it hasn't always been there for the Blazers. Uh, and some of that is, I think, a product of Denver's super aggressive defense is they're, they're really loading up against pick and rolls. why I mentioned earlier in the, in the uh, show is that the weak side is basically automatically pulling over. So the Blazers know that they have that skip. They know that it's available. They can look opposite corner. Like if you're on the left side, that right side wing, there's only going to be one guy guarding two. You can make that pass, start the, you know, make the pass, make a second pass, start the scramble. Like the Blazers have seen it on film very obviously than they were seeing it in the game. Like this is an aggressive defense. Here's how you beat it with smart passing. Get the ball out of Dame's hands. Okay, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna send two to Dame. Get it out of Dame's hands. Get it to Nurk. In the first quarter, Nurk caught one, quickly looked opposite, found Norman Powell in the corner, easy money. So then, you know, get, that gets in, in Denver's heads. And I thought the the ball movement all night was so special for the Blazers. Uh, they have been a bad passing team for years. Uh, some of that is because Dame and CJ are really good in isolation. They are still points per possession, the best isolation scoring team in the NBA this season. They're really freaking good at it. But it is harder to guard a team that passes than a team that does not pass. Like you can be an elite isolation team, like see the Brooklyn Nets. I might win the damn championship as an elite isolation team. Uh, but it is, 
you need if if you don't have sort of that firepower, if you don't have three Hall of Fame level scores on on offense, and maybe the Blazers have have two, uh, even if Carmelo Anthony is a little bit old, but like you just you need to be able to break down an aggressive defense with moving the ball more. It's something the Blazers haven't always done. It's something they maybe struggled with pretty regularly in the past, but they were trusting it and 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 really got it done in game one. Like you saw you saw that return of sort of like 2014 Blazers basketball where Dame gives it up, swings around the corner, finds Batum, finds Wesley Matthews for a, you know, Batum passes up a good shot for a better shot. Like it, that returned and it returned and the beneficiaries were guys like Ant and were guys like Carmelo. And then you still have Dame to be the point of attack and to and to draw that defense and draw that attention and start start sort of um Maybe trigger is a better word. Just kind of like just trigger the trigger the beginning of of Denver's defense scrambling and being having to be hyper aggressive to take away this. You take away this, the ball moves. All those things like the you just saw it there so much. Um, you know, there's been a lot of criticism of like Stotts and and ball movement and stuff, and I think some of that's true, but mostly it's just like Stotts giving players freedom to make a decision because players play. And this one, um, they were the. The decisions the players made on the court were to move the ball and swing it, and it, it generated really good looks, and it made them better. They're better when the ball moves. No one is arguing. If if anyone argues the opposite, um, they're foolish. Like the Blazers can beat you in isolation, but they can beat you. They can be even better and take the game to the next level if um, if when the ball moves. And the ball moved in game one, and it was it was just so obvious to see. I mean, the number for you, and this is the impressive one, is that they had more assists 29 than the Denver Nuggets who had 22. Dame had 13 dimes to Jokic's one. Like which player is known for isolation and scoring and which player is this sort of like unselfish MVP god? Hard to know from from that first one. So that's the good from game one. Uh, There's a lot of it. Obviously we went a little long in this segment, but there's some bad stuff too, or just like some Maybe less good is, is the more accurate term. So in segment number two, I want to talk about that less good stuff. What do we see from the Blazers that um, that wasn't as sharp and 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 needs to be improved heading into game two and throughout the rest of the series? But first, let's talk about Headspace. Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep or focus or just be better? There is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, it can improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Plus, Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you, on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA. That's headspace.com slash locked on NBA for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. So go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA today. This episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. 
Nothing more than the best tasting protein bar on the market. And for my money, the best tasting protein bar ever. Comes in nine delicious flavors and occasionally some limited time flavors. So make sure you're checking BuiltBar.com to see what's there for a short time. There's something for everybody. If you're me, personal favorite, peanut butter brownie. But maybe you're into things like coconut almond or the raspberry flavor, even salted caramel. Whatever it is, you can go grab yourself a box. If you don't know what you like, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of their nine flavors. Decide what you like and buy more from there. Or... If you know what you like, you can create a custom box and say, give me these. These are the ones that are good. Regardless of what you choose, all of the bars are delicious. Plus, they're good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high in fiber. All of them have at least 17 grams of protein. And almost all of them have under 5 grams of net carbs. Good and good for you. Go get yourself some. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right. So we talked about what went right for the Blazers, the good from game one. Now let's talk a little bit about the bad. Damian Lillard played 40 minutes in game one. Playoff type minutes. Uh, For my money, he could have come back a little bit sooner in the fourth quarter when the Nuggets trimmed a... uh, well, they trimmed it all the way down to four, but the Nuggets had it were down 10, and, and I thought when, when they cut it to eight, that would have been cool for me, Terry Stotts. If I had been in Terry Stotts' shoes, he had four timeouts left. Go ahead and call one and get Dame back in the game. He didn't. They cut it to they cut it to four. But in the eight minutes um, Dame sat, the Nuggets outscored the Blazers by nine. I mean, that's, that is... They had that superb third quarter in which uh, they trailed by as many as nine points. They came roaring back, took the lead heading into the fourth, um, and then... Pretty much all of that was nearly undone by early in the fourth quarter when when Dame sat. Like that's um, that's a problem, and it was a problem because the other two guards, Norman, the other two starting guards, Norman CJ just weren't great. Norman was three for eleven. Uh, he's being asked to guard Michael Porter Jr. and I thought he did a, a decent job of just like being physical, staying attached, all those things on defense. Like I don't think Norm was it had a bad game, but he had a bad shooting game. Three of eleven from the floor. Like um, he. There was some, Norm missed, I would say, by my count on the rewatch, two open looks. He was one for four from three. And if he splits those open looks and goes two for four from three, his line looks a lot different. He looks, he just, I mean, not like crazy different, like four for 11 is a crazy, is a much better game. But, you know, he just, he, he missed, he missed two shots he could make in, in that game. And, um, but the Blazers, you know, that's the, the playoffs are one in the margins and Norm going three for 11. Um, he was not as good as he can be. He's been a little bit off from three since he joined the Blazers. Um, he, prov- his, his biggest skill that he provides him is just that rim pressure to use a Nikias Duncan term. I think that's back-to-back podcast where I've shouted out Nikias Duncan. So there you go. I'm, I'm learning too from the, the Dunker Spot podcast. But yeah, I think Norm's been really good. Um, just in rim pressure has been his, his skill more than shooting. He can shoot though. Like he has a long track record of being a good shooter. The Blazers need him to be a little bit better. And that helps them win those dameless minutes because it's going to be CJ and, and Norm for the most part. And, and Ennis and um, Carmelo Anthony, like that's going to be the the bench group. And that bench group, if you just look at sort of like overall plus minuses was fine. But in those minutes that Dame sat, um, they weren't. They weren't super good. 
some of that is also CJ. He was, uh, you know, eight for 20 from the floor, five of 15 on twos. It's, it's the twos that I'm really worried about. I thought CJ missed, not really worried about that's overstatement, but I thought CJ missed some, some clean looking pull-ups that he can hit, um, and kind of changes the dynamic for the Blazers, you know, 21 points on 20 shots. CJ's, you know, if, when CJ's at his best, he's, he's hyper efficient. Like that's, that's what makes him, him special is that he's, he's getting to tough shots and making tough shots. And he's one of the best tough, tough shot makers, bad shot makers in basketball. And he just wasn't that in game one. Um, and those, you know, Norm and CJ, though, those guys not being as good as they can be on offense, like even as good as Ant was and even as good as Melo was means that you're going to get beat up in the dameless minutes. And that has been a thing we've tracked all year because like, this is kind of how it works y'all. Like, you have this, you have this top 10 level player, you know, you have one of the best players in basketball, you have an absolute superstar, you're going to win or play even in his minutes for the most part. Like if you don't, it doesn't matter. You're going to lose anyways. But like the Blazers were really good when Dame was on the court. Um, his plus minus bonkers at plus 25 in a, in a game that won by 14. But, um, you know, Blazers were plus 14. I think it's a good way to think about it. But, uh, you, you know, it's it's when your best player's not on the court, this is this is sort of the margins for um, how bas- how NBA playoff games are defined, and the Blazers weren't very good in game one. That's an issue. Uh, they just need CJ to be better in those minutes. I mean, Norm too. Norm needs to make his spot-up shots, but, like, they just need CJ to be better in those minutes. They need him to get... Um, there were times when the off- when the ball really moved um, a couple times uh, with, you know, CJ got downhill early in the fourth quarter, Uh got the ball to the corner ball comes back uh to the wing ball swings to the top of the key and then find cj in the opposite corner that's you know four passes uh off of pick and roll action simple high pick and roll the blazers run all the time and four passes off of that cj gets a wide open three in the corner they just need more of that that's that's what they need i mean cj made his threes three of seven from deep like he's uh it's a little below what his like sort of average attempts where he's averaging about eight a game so you know get one more up shoot 40 some percent from three you're gonna have a you're gonna have a a a pretty nice time from cj but he just needs to be a little sharper a little sharper on making pull-ups like that's that that wasn't good the other sort of bad thing was that Ennis Kanter is not as good a defender as nurk on Jokic. um in Cantor and Jokic shared the court for four total minutes in game one and uh in those four minutes uh, Jokic got up six shots and went four for six from the floor. Um, he just, he knows that he can score on Cantor, um, and they're not going to help. So he, you know, he took him down to the post early in the game. He, uh, he just, he's just not afraid of him. Cantor tried to pull the chair once on Jokic. It didn't work. Like that's just not, you know, Cantor has some limit limitations defensively. He's big enough and strong enough to kind of like make Jokic have to work a little more than he did. But Jokic was, he really, you know, he was bringing the ball up more, I thought, against uh, Ennis just because of the speed factor. There was one early where they just cleared a side for Jokic, like cut through, cut through. Both guys go back door to like clear out a whole, the whole right side of the floor where Jokic wants to operate. And he just went to work on Cantor. It's just not a good matchup. Like I, you can't match you probably can't match Nurk's minutes exactly with Jokic just because of stamina reasons. Like Jokic played 35, Nurk played 33. Like um, it's not exactly even. It's like 32 and some change, uh, 35 and some change. But so Stotts did it. And I think you want to go to it as much as you can. Like you want to try to match up Jokic's minutes with Nurkic's minutes as you can or the other way around. But Cantor's just not a good matchup for him. I mean, the Blazers aren't going to change up their scheme. They're still not going to double. They're not going to give Cantor help. So it's not going to like break down the defense entirely. But Jokic knows that's a good matchup for him. And it's, his eyes got big. Like as soon as Cantor was in the game, he went to work aggressively on offense. Uh, Denver's bench is going nuts as he's abusing Cantor in the post. Like that's... 
Um, I don't know if it's like a huge problem because I think Cantor better as a one-on-one defender against a big than he is as like getting in a bunch of pick and rolls. But um, you know that Jokic wants to attack that. So I think you try to avoid that a little bit and let Cantor play as much as he can and as much as there's going to be minutes available against Jermichael Green and, and Paul Millsap, the, the Nuggets backup front line. That's that's like an issue that I could see popping up in, in future games is just um, is, is Cantor is Cantor is not quite Nurk on the defensive end. The other bad thing was offensive rebounds early in the game. This turned out to be a good thing, but I want to highlight it. Um, early in the game, the Nuggets just grabbed all of their misses. Uh, the the energy was there. Uh, Jokic was grabbing misses off like Blazers were switching maybe a little too much. Um, just try to keep the ball in front. They were switching some weird actions that I didn't really like, like switching switching to get smaller guys onto Aaron Gordon, which I, I don't particularly care for. It didn't hurt them enough, and I understand the point is like you just want to keep everything in front and then stay home after that um, and and if you do get a a mismatch because you're switching and keeping everything in front, like you just don't think that Gordon's going to be able to punish you as a one-on-one scorer. And I think that's a safe bet for the Blazers. Like I get it to me. That's, that's okay. But one thing that the switches do allow for is like some bad, bad, uh, matchups on the backboard nobody in the NBA is boxing out like literally no teams box out one of the funniest parts about the league but uh, particularly just like if you get a big down there on a, on a little guy they're going to crush you on the glass and, and I thought the Nuggets did a really good job first five minutes they got six offensive rebounds final 43 minutes they just got five offensive rebounds like that's that's the Blazers formula uh, you know stay home on stay home on everyone else let Jokic cook as much as he's going to cook and do not give them any second shots. Early in the game when they gave them second shots, it was a problem. Um, you know, I think Denver and Kevin Pelton tweeted this out, grabbed something in the first five minutes, like 80% of their own misses. That's like a 79% offensive rebound rate. Well, um, after that, they they set, they settled down to a, a much more a much more human for the for the game of, a, of 27 and a half. Like that's probably still too many, like grabbing 28% of your misses. You probably want to push that down below 25 to like really have a chance. So I think offensive, I think defensive rebounding for the Blazers. So that's that's Rocco and Nurk getting back. That's the guards crashing. Um, the Blazers aren't going to run, and and they didn't run much in this game. And they, they're going to get easy offense by like playing fast, not true transition, but just like getting into sets quickly. Um, so it's like you can you just want to get back and rebound, and then and then go from there. I think offensive rebounding was was an issue early that they cleaned up, but it's it was it was an issue and it deserves to be in this bad category but as we all know the nba playoffs are defined by adjustments who changes what who can exploit what wrinkle and who finds a thing that works and then finds the next thing that works and the next thing that works i think stott's one game one from a coaching standpoint he his plan was really good players execute the plan but his plan was really good and it left michael malone grasping at a few things because quite frankly his his uh, roster's a little beat up and he has less options, but but Stotts really, 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 I think, won the coaching matchup in game one. But the it's not about game one in the playoffs. It's about games two and beyond, how teams adjust once they see what you're going to do. So what I want to talk about in the third segment to close out the show is adjustments that I see from both sides. Like who's going to change what, uh, what, you know, what the, what the Nuggets might try to do and how the Blazers can stay a step ahead of that. That's what we'll do in the third segment. But before we get there, Let's talk about Indeed. If you are hiring or looking for the best candidates for your team and company, what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. You can post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. 
Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews all in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately, and Indeed skills tests that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. There are 130 skills tests on there that you can add your must-have requirements to, and then you will be able to only pay for the applications that meet those must-have requirements. Plus, you can create your own skills tests that are specific to the job you have. And according to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. So if you're hiring, you need Indeed. So get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked on Blazers. We talked about the good talked about the bad now let's talk about what's going to change the NBA playoffs are always defined by adjustments uh it's 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 where the sort of coaching strengths come in it's what can you tweak to make things uh to you know to give your chance a better team of winning I think in general when you win the game you are less likely to make adjustments and quite frankly the Blazers game plan was good and sustainable but there is going to be there are going to be changes that, you know, um, just sort of like balance changes that make the Blazers game plan look less sustainable. Michael Porter Jr. made one of 10 threes. He is one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. He shoots almost 45% from three on the year. Uh, he had a stretch in the middle of the season when he was shooting above 50% on like six attempts a game. Uh, I think 10 attempts from three is a really good number for Porter Jr. Uh, he made all of his twos. 11 of 11. Historically good shooting night on twos. Got inside. Uh, he had a bunch of nights, like, w- even when Jokic was on the court, he pushed in transition, got himself to the rim on his own. Like, he's a good scorer. He's going to shoot better. Uh, you know, he had 25 and 9, and I don't think he played super well. 1 of 10 from 3. Uh, I looked at, I watched those threes, like I said, on the rewatch of the game, I was playing really close attention to Porter Jr.'s threes. I think the Blazers did a pretty good job of contesting his threes. Two things. One, only two of them were like truly bad shots from Porter Jr. He's prone to some of those, but uh, uh, some of them were just misses. Like he he can make contested threes because he's so big and has such a high release. Like, so I think one of the adjustments is just um, just going to be shooting luck. Like the Nuggets are going to shoot better and the Blazers are going to shoot worse. That's I don't think the Blazers got like crazy shooting luck. I think they actually generated a bunch of good looks, but they also went 19 of 40 from three. Um, some of that is generate off good ball movement. Some of that is because, uh, you know, they couldn't handle Dame and Dame breaks down the defense and all those things. But like, it's, I think it would be reasonable to assume that, uh, Ant and Carmelo don't combine to go eight of fifth, eight of 13 from three. Like <laughs> that's probably be- like, they're really good three point shooters. And, uh, but if they had gone like six of 13 from three that also would have been a really good three-point shooting night so like some of it is just like shooting luck is going to come back the nuggets um like i said i think thought the blazers uh 
contested shots really well, and the Nuggets just don't have a lot of shooters. Uh, Composo's two threes stand still wide open looks. Uh, he can't shoot off the dribble, but he can shoot with his feet set. So you really, really, really got to get him. Um, you know, don't let him shoot with his feet set. But the, the Nuggets, you know, 11 of 36 from three, I think. Uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr. shoots about his average. You're getting 14 of 36 from three. Like, that's, it's just shooting luck. That's, and, you know, it goes nine points one way, nine points the other way. That's, that, this is how it works in the league. So I think one of the adjustments or like one of the things that will definitely sort of change in game two that wouldn't be like a, won't be a game plan issue, et cetera, et cetera. It's just like the Nuggets are likely to shoot better, specifically Michael Porter Jr. And the Blazers are likely to shoot a little bit worse. Like that's, um, that is something that is sort of out of your control. You know, you try to generate good looks. You try to take away good looks. The Blazers have more guys who can shoot. And obviously Norm and CJ could shoot better from three than they did. So like if, if Ant and Mello regress, the other guys step up, like it's not, it's not like a zero sum thing, but, uh, it's, it, I think one of sort of just like the little adjustments in the the game flow that we'll see in game two is just Denver probably make more shots. Blazers probably miss miss more shots. Uh, this game was really close. Like it was a four point game with five minutes left, and then the Blazers just just slammed the door. Um, a great backdoor cut by Mello off of what he was kind of setting up a little split cut action for Dame, and then he he didn't set the screen. He dove, you know, slipped towards the rim, dove towards the rim, and Nurk just made a beautiful pass to him. And then Nurk on a handoff action with Dame on the left wing got Dame a three. And like those two small plays, that's an, a, a three point play for uh, Mello and then a three pointer for Dame. It's like that's now all of a sudden it's a double digit game. Like it's, it is, it is, it was for as well as the Blazers played and for as good as they looked. And as much as this was like, hey, this is a great matchup, it still came down to, it was a four point game with five minutes left. And it's, it is the margin for error remains very slim. So what will the Bla- what will the Nuggets do to take advantage of that um, margin for error? Well, one, I think they need to put more size on Dame. I talked about it in in the first segment, like, uh, and I teased it here. It's like they they Falku can't guard Dame. He can he can try. He'll go hard as hell, but he's always going to be five nine. Um, as someone who is uh, never going to be five nine, I know how it goes. Like you just you're just short every time you play. Uh, Falco's he's strong, he's competitive, he's fearless, he's all of these things you want, but then he's still all of that in a five foot nine package. The way to guard Dame is not to be a little gnat that gets up in a shirt. Like the pests that get up in a shirt, Pat Bev, stuff like that. Like Dame fillets those guys. Like that's that is those dudes do not throw. You know they don't rattle him. They don't take him off his game. Like the way to guard Dame is with length. And when you're looking at who, how to guard Dame with length, basically on the Nuggets it's one guy. It's Aaron Gordon, but. Well, I think that's probably a better option to guard Dame. Like maybe not all 48 minutes, but you switch between Falco and 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 uh, and AG, and you give AG, you know, a, like a solid 18 minutes or whatever on Dame. You give him half the game or or whatever. If Dame's gonna play 40 minutes, you give him 20 minutes, a so half the game on Dame. Uh, but I don't think Gordon is nearly fast enough to check Dame with with consistency. Now, AG at the point of attack with another. Um, with with another defender as they send two to the ball, that's real length. That's what gives Dame problems. I think that's where you start. But then it's just like Dame says, I don't need a screen or rejects the screen. Um, and it just he'll just fly past AG. Like I don't the Nuggets are um they've they've this is a bad matchup for them uh because they don't ha- like who who do they have on the roster that could conceivably check Dame for an extended period of time it's PJ Dozier and he's just probably not going to play with the in this series with an adductor strain i think um Will Barton gives the Blazers maybe better options or they maybe they give someone who could like switch between um 
him and CJ. I think Austin Rivers is an okay option, but he's not like an elite defender. If Austin Rivers was an elite defender, he probably wouldn't play for the Nuggets. You know, he wouldn't have been waived and been a free agent and and been sitting at home for a little while. Like he's competitive. um, He's physical, all those things, but he's not, he's not going to lock down Dame on his own. They just, they don't have that. They're missing that piece. They're missing, you know, they, the, they had some turnover on the roster and it looks and feels a little bit different. And specifically against a matchup like the Blazers, the Nuggets don't have that option. And one of the reasons they don't have that option is because they need some freaking offense. Um, you know, I thought Shaq Harrison was going to play in this series. He didn't play in game one. There's a chance he plays in game two because he's a really good defensive player and he's an option to put on Dame. But if you put Shaq Harrison on there, that's another bad defender you've got on the court. Um, or excuse me, not bad defender. That's another bad offensive player you've got on the court. Uh, the Nuggets went with uh, rookie Marcus Howard, um, a tiny little guard. They played two tiny little guards against the Blazers. Like they're playing a smaller backcourt than Portland with consistency because they need his offense. They really did. They they needed they needed a rookie. Uh, they needed a little rookie point guard out of Marquette to to score, and he was he was pretty good um, offensively. But he's small too, and you're even smaller, and you're even sacrificing more uh, perimeter defense when you do that. Like they just don't have a lot of good off uh, options. So I think the adjustment is to put Gordon on Dame more often. But it's um, if you do that, I don't think it's a good solution, and I don't think you can go to Shaq Harrison with consistency because the Nuggets need firepower. The way the Blazers are going to guard this team is just say Jokic, go do it. And if you put another negative on offense out there, if, if it's Falku and Shaq Harrison, like I, that that's not a that's not a sustainable thing. Like maybe Shaq Harrison plays split some minutes with Austin Rivers or whatever it is, but like they, I don't see I see some I see some different choices you can make on the Nuggets bench, but I don't see a lot of good solutions. Um, you know, this game was close. It could be in the margins. They could play the game the exact same way and the Nuggets just win because of some, some you know, better luck and some better whistles. But like, you know, I I don't see good... I don't... I know how you got to guard Dame. I've watched him enough to know how to slow him down. But it's, do the Nuggets have that on the roster without sacrificing too much offense, which they desperately, desperately need. The other thing um, that I think the Nuggets are going to do is they're going to try to not switch as much in game two, uh, late in the second half, or basically just in the second half, Dame started hunting Michael Porter Jr. He just said, every time, who are you guarding? Let's put you in the pick and roll early. And then, uh, and I'll just, I'm just going to hunt you in a switch. Cause I don't think you can guard me. Uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr. Twice, once he blocked CJ, once he blocked Dame, like he's long and competitive. He's taken major strides on the defensive end compared to where he was last season, but he's not good on defense still. Um, and it's, like he's he's like average on defense I'd say and he's big but like you you know in the playoffs you're going to hunt mismatches and the Blazers did that they hunted Michael Porter Jr. Uh, switch hunting this I think the Nuggets will try to switch a ton less to keep Porter Jr. out of that I think they'll I think they'll do some creative things to try to show and then have Porter Jr. recover and sprint back to his guy like I think Michael, uh, Michael Malone talked about that. Uh, Nuggets coach Michael Malone it said, like, we've got to do a better job sort of helping out uh, MPJ, helping out Michael Porter. And I think we'll see that. Like, I think the Nuggets know that the, you know, it's this is a basic thing in, in the NBA. It's like, hey, who's their worst defender? Let's run a pick and roll with him and go get him. Like that, you see it all the time, particularly in playoff basketball when it's kind of offenses are, are a little more vanilla because they're because you know what they're running etc cetera, etc cetera, and they're kind of just letting their best player do what he does uh the blazers did this with some great success and i think the nuggets will have to be uh more more 
more attentive in not giving up a soft switch or just conceding the switch right away and trying to get Porter Jr. out of that action and back to his man so he doesn't have to guard Dame in those uh, in those pick and roll situations as, as a singular defender. Or, and if you do do that, then you bring lots of help and then the Blazers were passing the ball freely off of that, that super help. Like, I think loading up and playing aggressive is a great way to defend the Blazers, but if your point of attack defender is getting beat, then you've, you're already plugging holes. So I think they're going to, I think uh, the Nuggets of vo- trying to keep MPJ out of those switches is going to be a huge adjustment Denver makes in, in game two. Those are the adjustments I see happening. Uh, some of the adjustments are random, just making more shots. <laughs> like, it, you know, one team will make more, one team will miss more. Some are, are specific, like who guards Dame and how do, the, how do the Nuggets avoid getting Dame in the mismatches he wants and he's going to be hunting. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, it's... It, uh, the Nuggets weren't that far off. Like, I don't expect them to be, to make like drastic changes. They'll make these little changes. I think they'll play, they'll look a little bit different in game two. They know how the Blazers are going to guard Jokic and they'll, they'll try to free him up. Um, they'll try to free their own guys up on offense with being a little more creative. Maybe you'll see Jokic run more pick and rolls, get him in, in like specific two man action as the ball handler, which maybe will make the Blazers have to make some decisions about how they, whether they go under and things like that. Um, but like the Nuggets might not make drastic changes because again, this is a four point game with five minutes left. Like I don't think the Nuggets played super well and they were right there. Uh, the Blazers look a bit, little bit better. Like they looked like the better team in game one. When you win, it feels like you'll never, you'll never lose. When you lose, it feels like you'll never win. Um, I think this is, I think this is still a pretty even series, but I think absolutely after game one, you saw why people are picking the Blazers. Their advantages, they're just their ability to have more guys who can score, to have Norm and CJ kind of have off nights, but get it from Ant and Mello, um, to have Ennis Cantor, who can be a real offensive load, have basically be a zero on offense. You know, they, they've they got other guys who can score, and, and then... And they were still able to put up, you know, 123 on the road in Denver. This was, you know, the Blazers showed their firepower. The Nuggets showed them maybe their lack of firepower outside of uh, their, you know, their two their two top guys. Like the Nuggets are still searching for a third guy. Maybe that's AG in one game, but the bet and why people are picking the Blazers is that do they have a consistent tertiary scorer that can make uh, the Blazers play? Do they have a, a consistent guy who can score as an as an individual offensive player when the Blazers are just saying are gar- playing straight up, you know, not not getting caught in rotations, not double teaming Jokic, all those things. Um, the Nuggets are beat up. <laughs> They're not playing a lot of NBA level guards, and the Blazers are taking advantage of that. Uh, luck is built into this bad boy, like it's it's baked into it. Uh, the Blazers don't need to apologize. What they need to do is win and keep it moving. Game two Monday night, which means we're going to change around the uh, mailbag show. Usually mailbag Monday is a weekly mailbag segment that I record on Monday evenings and post on Tuesdays, but because of the game on Monday evening, I don't want to do a mailbag show after that one. We'll do more of like a a recap here, you know, deep, deep breakdown like we did here for game one. So we're going to push mailbag back uh, one night. It'll be, we'll record it on Tuesday evening, posting on Wednesday. So uh, if you have mailbag questions, it, I'm going to record after both games. So you might as well wait, you might as well wait because uh, things change quickly in the playoffs. So after game two, Tuesday evening, that's when we'll record our mailbag show. Get your questions in by tweeting at me, at Mike G. Rich. My Twitter account, which was someone attempted to hack. I guess uh, they try to change the email address associated with the account, but I contacted Twitter and they were able to reassociate with my email address and I'm back out of jail after a two week hiatus. So um, I'm on Twitter again at Mike G rich, send me your questions there, send them after game two. Like that just, it'll just make more sense. You're much more likely to get in the show. If you ask a, a timely relevant question following game two, or if you don't want to tweet, you're not someone who uses Twitter. Uh, the mailbag address is, uh, 
lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com is the email where you can find me. Uh, we dove deep into game one. Game two Monday, we'll dive deep into that one. Tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. will be there waiting for you. Playoffs are here. Blazers got a 1-0 lead. It's a ton of fun, and we're going to keep it rolling. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.